Good evening, hello, whatever you might be in the universe at the moment. It's really rainy and it's the dead of night here at the moment. But that is perhaps kind of how uh, the weather should be to discuss these complex topics. The supernatural, the paranormal, the occult, psychology, popular culture, and everything in between. I guess it's kind of why I decided to do a podcast. I was um, been always interested in these subjects, uh, particularly uh, the occult, supernatural, um, psychology, parapsychology. Uh, always kind of drew me in, you know, the questions um, of the unknown, the questions that the answers weren't quite so simple. Uh, answers with a lot of different possibilities were always uh, very attractive to me. Um, so, give you a little rundown who I am. My name is Tom Preisler. And as I said before, I've been interested in the subject for the longest of times. I remember in the 90s, uh, I would listen to uh, AM radio talk show, uh, like a Colin show called Coast to Coast uh, and Dreamland, um, ran by a legendary talk show host, Art Bell, who unfortunately died uh, earlier this year. But he was the pioneer of what modern podcasting is at the moment. Um, without him, there wouldn't be My Favorite Murder, um, Blurry Photos, um, he was just he was just pioneer of all this, right? He'd have a show at that would start at one AM Eastern time, uh, and it would go till five in the morning. And same with it was Monday to Friday. Um every day he'd have a very interesting topic from Roswell, uh, uh alien abductions, uh ghost stories, uh personal experiences, um fantastic and, and incredibly interesting conversations with uh, physicists, uh, biologists, uh, priests, um, and about a variety of subjects. Um, it was an incredible show. Uh, it's still going to today, but uh, Art stopped being part of it in 2013. And But tremendous legacy, as I have to say. So that's my role model. That's my hero. And... Um, I'd like to kind of bring that back a little bit, that aspect of him, you know. Uh, he'd always listen to anyone and he objectively, without judgment, try to present a story um, or a conversation in a very um, unbiased kind of way, you know. So I really, I really appreciate that. But what brings me to this topic here is um, 
it's the first episode of the Lights at the Edge of the Universe podcast. And what I'd like to talk to you about today is a subject that I've been studying and researching since I was uh, in my early teens. And what it is, is the ancient astronauts theory or the ancient aliens or paleo aliens um a subject that's absolutely mind-blowing and it carries over through so many millennia and um regions and disciplines you know it 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 has uh it has fingerprints on everything really you know when you think about it so tonight's topic ancient aliens um so what it is what is the concept of ancient aliens ancient astronauts theory um you know i um i got a little bit off topic <laughs> i had it i had it all written out and i and off the script, which I think is my mistake here, because I have to find my space now. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I just—that's right. It was one of my—it um, was one of my first loves into the unknown. You know, uh, fascinated by the pyramids of Giza in Egypt, uh, last Nazca lines in Peru, uh, the the Moai statues in of Eastern Ireland, Old Testaments, prophets describing landing spaceships. These are all things that are incredibly fascinating, you know. Um, but again, okay, let's get back to the basics. Um, ancient astronauts, what does it mean? How did the concept come about? Well, as to quote, reputable source <laughs> from Wikipedia, ancient astronauts, um, is a pseudoscientific idea uh, that tells us that intelligent extraterrestrial beings visited Earth and made contact with humans in antiquity um, and prehistoric times, um, with proponents of that theory suggesting that this contact influenced the development of modern cultures, technologies, and religions, and even human biology, to that matter, you know. Uh, the common position being that deities from most, if not all, religions are extraterrestrial. An origin um, that events technology brought to Earth by ancient astronauts were um, interpreted as evidence of divine status by early humans. So that's interesting, right? Because when you think about the, the pyramids of Giza, uh, the Nazca lines in Peru, um, the uh, one of the greatest examples of of of, of Neolithic building, the Stone Age, right? It, it's it's what's what's the kind of meaning behind it? Um, how did it come about? Is it uh, a calendar or a specific place of power or a landing marker? for ancient spaceships see that's the beautiful thing it's it's there's so many answers to this question right 
And I think that's what makes it so fascinating and so very interesting. Um, I am going to have to bring you back in time to my childhood again. So get ready, count to five backwards and close your eyes. And you're with me in the 1990s. Um, are you there yet? All right. <laughs> so um, we're in the 1990s. And I just discovered uh, a comic book series called Gods from Space, um, based on the theories of Eric von Daniken, uh, in which alien gods from the constellation Sirius landed on Atlantis and through biological experiments contributed to the growth of intelligent life on Earth. I was hooked on this comic book from the start. You know, I... There were six in the series and I collected all of them and would just reread them until they completely fell apart. Um, through these comic books, I discovered uh, the books of Eric's, uh, Eric von Daniken, um, such as uh, Chariot of the Gods and Return of the Gods, Strategy of the Gods, uh, Twilight of the Gods and so on. Uh, and I'll be talking about these books a bit a bit later on. Um, let's let's get back to the. I'm rambling on again. See, that's that's the problem of talking in the dead of night. You can just get off on certain topics and just keep going, and there's nobody to check you, right? <laughs> Except for my little cat right here, who's actually asleep. So, hey, buddy. <laughs> Um, okay, back to, back to, back to talking about important stuff. So, um, <laughs> theories like this have become a very popular in the early science fiction of the late 19th and 20th century. Um, proponents argued that evidence for ancient astronauts came from, uh, documentary gaps in historical and archaeological records. Further, the evidence to support the theory have always included archaeological artifacts deemed anachronistic um, or essentially beyond the accepted technical capabilities of the historical cultures. And they were usually known as um, out-of-place artifacts. Um, double line, this concept, out-of-place artifacts, very important. <laughs> um, out of place artifacts. This is one of the most interesting things uh, in this whole bag of issues and, and phenomenal theories. Picture yourself going back in time to um, the Jurassic era or, you know, perhaps uh, the early man. And uh, you drop a knife and Somebody finds that knife off the era and perfects it and completely changes the environment around them with this one object. And of course, changing the future with it, right? Um, so this is like one of the major things uh, to help a civilization grow, introduce them to unknown artifacts that can help them grow. And that's essentially what happened with this theory here. Um, uh, 
uh, about cultures growing substantially faster than the environment around them. Um, I'd like to give you some of the examples of these artifacts. Uh, one of them being um, a mechanism found off the coast of Greek island uh, called the Antikatera mechanism. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Uh, and it was a clockwork-like mechanism dating to about thousand years before clocks were invented. Um, later considered to be a form of mechanical computer created around 150 to 100 uh, before Christ era. Um, again, this uh, was helping uh, ships being navigated. Uh, it would m help with navigation, astronomy, um, also uh, acted as a form of a radar, which is kind of unheard of. And at that time, you know, it's, um, it's completely mental and completely fascinating. <laughs> um, another thing like that uh, is called the Baghdad battery, uh, which would essentially mean that electricity was known 2,500 sort of years ago. Um, in the Middle East, in Baghdad. Um, Nazca lines, uh, again, as I mentioned them before, uh, in Peru, acted as a, as a landing strips uh, for planes, spaceships. Um, Tekaksik Kali Tahalakua head, I'm sorry for butchering this name, uh, which was a terracotta offering head seemingly of Roman appearance found in pre-Columbian burial site in Mexico. Uh, that thing is incredible because it looks like a Roman statue. Um, and if that was, that ended there, that would have been perfect, but it was found at a Mexican uh, burial site uh, off in, in, the, in the Aztec kingdom, way before uh, Spanish conquistadors gone uh, to the new world. How did it get here, right? It's again, that question. Um, you know, these ideas met with a lukewarm reception from a scientific community, uh, except for a strong support from astrophysicists uh, such as Carl Sagan, who in his book, Intelligent Life in the Universe, that came out in 1966, devoted a chapter to the argument that scientists and historians should seriously consider the possibility that extraterrestrial contact occurred. Um, during recorded history. But um, however, he says, these ideas were speculative and unproven. Uh, but it's cool that somebody like Carl Sagan was able to come out and say, you know, it's absolutely possible and things happen and two plus two might not equal four, you know, in this situation. Um, so let's get, you know, Let's get into it. Let's let's do this. Um, I wanted to introduce you guys to some of some of the players uh, who composed this ancient astronaut theory, and um, one of the main proponents of that theory is uh, a Swiss writer, uh, hotel owner, researcher uh, called Eric von Daniken. Uh, he was a leading author and researcher up till today, actually. Uh, and he dropped a literary bomb, literally, uh, 
1968 called Chariots of the Gods. It was a book that revolutionized the whole concept and really blew people's minds. It was like Space Odyssey 2001, but in the form of a book. <laughs> and he positioned a variety of hypotheses dealing with the possibility of extraterrestrials being influencing ancient technology. Uh, von Daniken suggested that some ancient structures appeared to represent higher technological knowledge than is presumed to have existed at the times uh, that they were manufactured. Furthermore, he claimed that the artifacts were produced either by extraterrestrial visitors or by human who learned the necessary knowledge from them. Uh, as an example for these artifacts, he included the Egyptian pyramids, Stonehenge, the Maui of Eastern Ireland, a medieval map known as the Piri Reis map, which uh, Danikin described as showing the earth as it was seen from space. Uh, and also containing undiscovered at that time Antarctica. Nazca lines in Peru, as I mentioned before, which he actually suggested may have been constructed by humans as crude replicas of previous alien structures as a way to call the aliens back to Earth. He used the same explanation to argue that cart routes in Malta may have had extraterrestrial purposes, along with similar lines in Australia, Saudi Arabia, and the ROC in the Middle East. The book also suggests that ancient artwork throughout the world could be interpreted as depicting astronauts, air and space vehicles, extraterrestrials, and complex technology. Uh, von Daniken described elements that he believed similar in art of unrelated cultures, such as the ancient Japanese uh, Dogo figurines, which he believed resembled astronauts in spacesuits, and a 3,000-year-old carving in the ancient Egyptian temples uh, of the Upper Egypt that appeared to depict helicopter-like machines. Um, the book goes on to suggest that the origins of religions, including interpretations of the Old Testament of the Bible, are reactions to contact with an alien race. Uh, well, you see, according to him, humans consider the technology of the aliens to be supernatural and the aliens themselves to be gods. And, and posing a question, um, if the oral and literal translations of most religions contain references to visitors from stars and vehicles traveling through air and space. These, he says, should be interpreted as literal descriptions in which have changed during the passage of time and became more obscure. One of the examples have always been fascinating to me because it includes um, Old Testament's prophet Ezekiel's vision um, that angels and wheels, which von Daniken interpreted as a description of spacecraft. The Ark of the Covenant, which uh, he explained was a communication device with an alien race, as well as the destruction of sorry destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah by fire and brimstone, which he interpreted as a nuclear explosion. Um, and here I would like to bring up a book called The Spaceships of Ezekiel, written in 1974, uh, as a response to the chariots of the gods. It was written by Joseph S. Blumerick, who was uh, a chief of NASA at the time. Um, and he just essentially wrote the book because he wanted to disprove Danikin's hypothesis. Uh, however, he was so taken with it uh, and 
after a thorough examination, convinced himself that Ezekiel had in fact seen a spaceship. He then made detailed drawings of the alien craft, uh, deciding that the technology of the builders must have been somehow higher than mankind's at the time, with the main conclusion that Ezekiel's account in the Bible was not a description of a meeting with a god in a prophetic vision, but one of several, one of several encounters uh, with ancient astronauts in a shuttle craft from another planet. Holy shit. Wow. Holy shit is right. <laughs> what do you say to something like that? Um, how can we go on? <laughs> this is like, this is, this is insane, right? If it's true, it's pretty incredible. So that, that that's Eric von Daniken. That's that's one of his main theories. Um, uh, he's still alive. He's eighty six years old now, and he continues to write and research and um, talk about these things. But um, I need to introduce you to another person because you can't have Eric von Daniken without him. And his name is Zacharias Stitchin. Um, Zacharias Stitchin is an American, uh, Russian uh, writer, researcher, um, studied at London School of Economics, um, later on worked uh, in Israel uh, for the government. Uh, and after that moved uh, to the United States where he continued to work on his research regarding uh, extraterrestrials and particularly uh, the ancient texts of the Sumerians and Babylonians, uh, particularly the Sumerians. Um, uh, Zachariah Stitchin's series, uh, The Earth Chronicles, beginning with the 12th planet, revolved around Stitchin's unique interpretation of ancient Sumerian and Middle Eastern texts, megalithic sites and artifacts from around the world. He uh, hypothesized that the gods of old Mesopotamia were astronauts from the planet Nibiru, which Stitchin stated uh, the Sumerians believed to be a remote 12th planet. Uh, Stitchin argued that there are Sumerian texts which tell the story that five, sorry, 50 Anunnaki inhabitants of the planet named Nibiru came to Earth approximately half a million years ago with the intent of mining raw materials, especially gold, uh, for transport back to Nibiru. With their small numbers, they soon grew tired of the task and set out to generate engineering laborers to work the mines. After much trial and error, they eventually created Homo sapiens, um, the model man or Adam of later mythology. Sitchin contended uh, the Anunnaki were active in human affairs until the culture was destroyed by global catastrophes caused by the abrupt end of the last ice age some 12,000 years ago. Seeing that humans survived and all they had built was destroyed, the Anunnaki left Earth after giving humans the opportunity to means and means to govern themselves. Stitching work uh, has not received mainstream scholarly support and has been uh, roundly criticized by professionals. Um, that have reviewed his hypothesis. Uh, Semitic language scholars uh, Michael S. Heiser says that many of Stitchin's translations of Sumerian and Mesopotamian words are not consistent with Mesopotamian uh, bilingual dictionaries uh, produced by ancient Akkadian scribes. Uh, 
Um, Alan F. Alfred, author of Gods of the New Millennia, was an adherent of the ancient astronaut's hypothesis. Much of his work is actually drawn on Stitchin's hypothesis. However, he now finds fault with Stitchin's hypothesis um, and believes that deeper analysis is needed. Uh, he states that he is now a firm believer of the opinion that these gods personified the falling sky. In other words, the descendant of the gods was a poetic rendition of the cataclysm myth which stood at the heart of ancient Near Eastern religions. So that's kind of what they thought at the end of it, you know. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree with everything that Sitchin says, but um, the myth of Anunnaki is always constant, you know. And the kind of interesting aspect of it is that um, it translates into uh, Judeo-Christian uh, faith, um, starting with the myth of creation, uh, the myth of destruction by the flood, um, the uh, various cataclysms. Um, I mean, as I said before, the creation of the first humans, right? Um, and it, the, the Ur, which is, was the ancient city of Sumeria, is the cradle of humanity, right? It's the cradle of civilization. Uh, that's where the first cities originated, you know? Um, again, this is, this is, it's, it's, when you think about these theories and you realize that you're dealing with something that happened half a million years ago and when humans weren't even around, you know, you just, it's hard to wrap your heads around it your head around it because it's such a such a it's such an abstract thing you know um you know what um another example of similar theory uh came from robert temple and robert temple wrote a book called the serious mystery um which was a non-fiction book um published in 1976 uh this book uh, presents the hypothesis that the Dogen people of Mali in West Africa preserved a tradition of contact with intelligent extraterrestrial beings from the Sirius star system. These beings were, uh, who are hypothesized to have taught the art of civilization to humans are claimed in a book to have originated the system of the pharaohs of Egypt, the mythology of Greek civilization, and the epic of Gilgamesh, among other things. Temple's theory was heavily based on the interpretation of the work of ethnographers Marcel Garulo and the Germain Dieterlin. Uh, a substantial bulk of the series mystery consists of comprehensive linguistic and mythological scholarship, pointing out resemblances among Dogen, Egyptian and Sumerian beliefs and symbols. Greek and Arab myths and words are considered, and words are considered to a lesser extent. The mystery that is central to the book is how the Dogen allegedly acquired knowledge of uh, Sirius B, the white dwarf companion star of Sirius A, invisible to the naked eye. Um, Temple did not argue uh, that the only way that the Dogen could have obtained what he understood to be accurate information on Sirius B was by contact with an advanced civilization. He, he considered alternative possibilities as well, mind you. 
such as very ancient, advanced, and lost civilization that he was that was behind the sudden appearance of advanced civilization in both Egypt and Sumeria, which that would be another mystery in itself. Um, a lost civilization that brought this humongous knowledge, you know. Uh, he personally found the theory of alien contact more convincing. Ironically, right? But he did not claim certainly about it. Uh, Noah Borscht explained in his book, Serious Matters, that cultural transfer could have taken place between 19th century French astronomer and Dogen tribe members during the observation of the solar eclipse on 16th of April, 1893. Uh, the expedition led by Henry Deslanger's stayed in the field for five weeks and it is resemble that during this time, many contacts with the locals took place and that relatively modern astronomical knowledge was then transferred. So there's another, I, I like how there's another possibility for this because leaving only one avenue always makes things less less interesting and less, less capable of, of truth, right? However, some doubts have been raised about the re reliability of Guerrilla and Detrelane's work on which the serious mystery is based. An alternative explanation have been proposed. Uh, the claims about the Dogen's astronomical knowledge have been challenged. For instance, the anthropologist Walter Van Beek, who studied the Dogen, uh, found no evidence that the Dogen considered Sirius to be a double star and or that astronomy was particularly important in their belief system. Uh, again, you know, it always, it always amazed me when uh, early civilization possessed this incredible knowledge, um, such as the Dogen people, uh, minds which had absolutely incredible understanding of mathematics, uh, science, um, uh, geometry, um, astronomy, you know, um, as I said before, I guess, <laughs> um, you know, building their cities according to the planetary map you know of the sky um tikal for example is a city that uh has three temples uh the moon and the sun um and another sun temple and they are perfectly uh, placed to represent the orion's belt right and you know the question always is how do these people learn this this is before microscopes this is before telescopes you know um the perfect calendar that end that ends in 2012 with the coming of quetzalcoatl the feathered separate you know um you know and it's just it's a mystery built on top of a mystery built on top of another mystery um you know it's uh it's just it's just absolutely phenomenal you know um so do you believe robert temple what do you feel about that theory i personally really 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 appreciate his book and 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 that sphere of thinking you know um this is this is something that I live for, you know, and and it, that theory really speaks to me. Um, I really recommend the book. The serious mystery is one hell of a read, and um, it's beyond fascinating. Um, it's just 
it's really, really well worth the read, you know. You know, uh, mythology and ancient tales of various cultures have always carried a very interesting, fascinating source of information um, with in regards to the ancient astronaut theory. Um, you know, proponents always cited ancient mythologies to support their viewpoints. Uh, and based on the ideas that ancient creation myths of gods who descend from the heavens to earth to create or instruct humanity um, are representations of alien visitors, right? Um, and their superior technology uh, always accounted for their perception as gods. Um, proponents also drew an analogy to occurrences in modern times when isolated cultures uh, were exposed to Western technologies, such as when in the early 20th century, uh, the cargo cults um, were discovered in the South Pacific. Um, and there were cultures who believed that various Western ships that were passing by uh, and their cargoes were sent from, from the gods as fulfillment of prophecies uh, concerning their return. Um, is, uh, this can also be tied to the conquest of uh, Mexico and Peru by the Spanish conquistadors uh, when Hernando Cortes and Francesco Pizarro uh, conquered Incas and the Aztecs. Uh, they did it with uh, incredibly disadvantaged number of men. Uh, I think it was about 200 soldiers going against uh, vast armies of the Aztec and the Incas. Uh, and they were able to conquer these amazing civilizations who um, believed that the Spanish conquistadors were representatives of uh, the feathered serpent, the Quetzalcoatl god, who was supposed to return um, at the same time around when the conquistadors came. So um, again, the, the power of myth, uh, the grain of truth uh, within, you know, uh, the experience of generations before formed this belief that ultimately brought down an entire civilization. It's, uh, it's absolutely, absolutely phenomenal and, and mind-numbing, you know. Uh, I always try to wrap my head around this and it's, 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 it's when you think about um, the years and the, the occurrences that lead to these things, um, you know, it's, it's absolutely insane. <laughs> um, you know what, I would like to kind of talk to you now about um, some proofs, some examples here, you know, because I've been rambling on just these theories here and um, zero examples, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, I'd like to kind of talk to you about um, the religious text, you know. Um, the religious texts are full of these incredible information, these, these incredible tales, you know, from uh, the Ramayana in Hindu mythology to the Old Testament, to the Quran, to the myths of creation of the, the, the Hopi and the Zuni Indians. Um, there's 
there is some crazy, amazingly interesting stuff. Um, but I'd like to start you off with uh, the, the book of Genesis and the book of Enoch. Uh, and I'm quoting here. Uh, it's a chapter six, verse one, two, uh, when there are referencing uh, alien beings called the sons of God or the Nephilim, who were a hybrid offsprings of aliens and humans. Uh, when human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. Um, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterwards when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. That's Genesis 6, 1, 4, New International Version. Uh, many Christians consider these groups to be various families of Adam and Eve's children. Another interpretation is that the Nephilim are the children of the sons of God and daughters of humans. Although scholars are uncertain, uh, and the King James Version translates Nephilim uh, as giants, um, ancient astronauts theories argue that Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit in order to be godlike, and this was the first step in human evolution. Uh, furthermore, uh, the book of Enoch and Genesis um, tells a story of 200 angels called the Watchers descending on earth to breed with humans, um, uh, producing offsprings called the Nephilim, who are half giant, half uh, human. Um, the Nephilim also taught humans, uh, metalwork, cosmetic, sorcery, astrology, astronomy, uh, meteorology. Uh, but then God uh, uh, was angered by these acts and uh, contributed to the great flood that was supposed to wipe out um, humans with knowledge. And the Nephilims, as well as the Watchers, uh, who, then have, who then have become the fallen angels. And then we have that myth of, um, well, uh, the biblical story of um, uh, demons and devils and, and the fallen angels, right? Um, and a lot of people actually do think, believe that uh, these stories are historical, historical accounts of the extraterrestrials visiting Earth. Um, who are supposed to observe uh, development of our civilizations, uh, teach, uh, crossbreed, uh, creating new species, um, contributing to the evolution of our of our society. You know, um, there's a story of uh, in the Bible of the destruction of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, and the two angels that visited uh, the prophet Lot in Genesis 19 uh, are considered to be the ancient astronauts who used atomic weapons to destroy those those cities. Um, it's uh, pretty incredible. Eh? <laughs> uh, I'd like to take you back to one of my favorite prophets here. Uh, and I've mentioned him before, um, uh, Ezekiel. And in the Old Testament, chapter one, uh, he recounts a vision in which he claimed he saw 
an immense cloud that contained fires and emits lightning and brilliant light, quote unquote. He continued, the center of the fire looked like glowing metal and in the fire was what looked like four living creatures. These creatures are described as winged and humanoid. They sped back and forth like flashes of lightning and fire moved back and forth among the creatures. The passage goes on to describe four shiny objects, each appearing like a wheel intersecting a wheel. These objects could fly and they moved with the creatures. And when the living creatures moved, the wheels beside them moved. And when the light, when the living creatures rose from the ground, the wheels also rose. Uh, this was actually from a chapter in a book, uh, Chariots of the Gods by Danikin, uh, in entitled, Was God an Astronaut? Uh, and Danikin suggests fully that Ezekiel had seen a spaceship, uh, which was later actually proved by uh, a writer, Joseph F. Blumrich, who I was talking to you about before uh, in his book, The Spaceships of Ezekiel. Um, there's other characteristics of uh, ancient aliens in the Bible, such as the Ark of the Covenant, um, Urim and Thummim, which were supposed to be um, uh, radio-like communication devices. Um, uh, another interesting uh, theory was uh, brought on by uh, Robert Dion, who uh, and Barry Downing, who was a Presbyterian priest, uh, and they claimed that Jesus himself was an extraterrestrial. Uh, and they were citing John 8.23 and other biblical verses as evidence. Um, the whole concept of hell um, uh, in the Bible and the description of, of hell mirrors uh, planet Venus. And a lot of specialists believe that uh, the extraterrestrials brought these photographs to Earth, uh, showing photos of the hot surface of Venus to humans. Um, so that's kind of where the idea of hell came from. You know, Mars is another example of that. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, and it's all about interpretation, right? Um, uh, in a Greek tale of Prometheus, um, Prometheus uh, stole the knowledge of fire from the gods, um, you know, which also has a grain of, of, of ancient astronauts in there as well. Uh, some theories uh, and some theorists believe that the biblical concept of Satan is based on misunderstood visit by extraterrestrials. You know, uh, Danikin positioned his views that the descendants of extraterrestrials had children with uh, hominids. And this was referred to the Bible as the original sin, right? Um, Danikin also believed that the biblical great flood was punishment after an extraterrestrial got discovered the earthbound fallen angels were mating with ape-like early humans so this is like this is again kind of um these are um these are the evidence from the bible right and and again it's all uh open to interpretation right i i don't want to offend anyone um let's see but it's it's just uh it's uh, it's ties, you know, and I, as I said, every um, tale, every story has a grain of truth to it, right? And it just depends how you look at it. 
depends what prism of truth you know you're gonna gaze at um so these are some of the religious texts that i wanted to talk to you about um next would be the ancient artwork and this is quite interesting as well um because uh they are interesting glyphs that are seen everywhere in the world and they appear to have common signs right common characteristic um again ancient theory, ancient astronaut theorists believe hoppy cave drawings of kachinas found in the southwestern desert link the origins of hoppy and zuni tribes with star people uh, star people quote unquote also don't tell anyone but uh, that's the aliens uh, they point to similar etchings elsewhere as evidence that extraterrestrial visited many different ancient civilizations. Um, other artistic support for the ancient astronaut hypothesis have been sought in Paleolithic cave paintings. So that would be uh, thousands, thousands of years ago, you know. Uh, also in Australia and in the rock drawings in Italy. Uh, are said to bear resemblance to present-day astronauts. Um, supporters of that ancient astronaut hypothesis sometimes argue that similar similarities, sorry, such as dome-shaped heads, um, interpreted as being wearing space helmet, uh, and that was the proof that early man was visited by the extraterrestrial race. Um, another uh, interesting example are uh, drawings. Um, that are representing flying saucers in medieval and renaissance art and those are so out there uh, i recommend checking some of those out as well um, because you see like spaceship being being painted um uh, in like the 15th century you know and 14th century uh, and seemingly um from experience not from any tales but these painters saw those things and decided to include them in paintings. Um, I was I was saying before, uh, the megalithic sites such as uh, the Giza pyramids, uh, Machu Picchu in Peru, uh, Baalbek in Lebanon, and uh, the Maui Eastern Islands, uh, and Stonehenge in England uh, were considered the evidence of extraterrestrial contact and, and ancient technology. And I'm not going to get into Atlantis because uh, that's another story altogether. And we have to bring Donovan for that. Um, but um, uh, yeah, you know, um, another evidence from my own readings uh, that I discovered was uh, the religious practices of uh, the ancient Egyptian, for example, um, and a number of ancient cultures. Uh, including Native Americans, ancient Egyptians, artificially length the skulls of their children. And the ancient astronaut proponents uh, believe that this was done to emulate extraterrestrial visitors who they saw as gods, right? Among the ancient rulers depicted with elongated skulls were uh, Pharaoh Akhenaten and Nefertiti, his wife, and also his children. Um, some people pointed out to me that the gray aliens... Um, were described by the alien abductees to have similar shaped heads, um, signifying wisdom, uh, experience, higher evolution. Um, you know, uh, so this is uh, 
I think this is the end of my uh, my first podcast. Thank you so much for for bearing with me. It was um, again, it's uh, first <laughs> first parts are always super rough uh, because there's so much information to get through, and you know I sit there and I make these notes and and I try to read them to you and include my three cents and. Um, so I'm a bit all over the place, but you know, it's that's the kind of podcast it's going to be. It's going to be all over the place. Uh, it's going to be half stoned all the time, you know, uh, in the dead of night. Um, and so thank you so much again. Uh, you have been listening to Lights at the Age of the Universe. Uh, the next podcast is going to be on Lord Byron, the vampires, and the romantic horror. So. Uh, I'm going to cook something really cool as well. Thank you so much again. Have a lovely night. Uh, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.